Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Monday, November 16th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be chatting about the weekend that was in college football and then take a look at the week coming up here. It is week 12 of the college football season. My updated college football power ratings are posted over at ATS.io. I'll be chatting about those, talking about which lines I'm off market on, where maybe we can get some line value here early in the week, and go over some box score updates for you from the games that wrapped up over the weekend. Over at ATS.io, along with my college football power ratings, I've already put up, thanks to Insomnia, my situational spots and betting trends piece over there at the website. So you can check that out with a variety of news, notes, nuggets, all sorts of different things here for week 12 of the college football season. Also be putting together the opening line reports here this morning for college football and the NFL as the market kind of settles. Usually we see some line movements around 11 o'clock Eastern time on Monday morning. Sort of the West Coast crowd kind of getting going after the late night watching the NFL and everything else going on. So we'll have an opening line report coming your way over at the website here shortly as well. And as I look over in the WordPress on my admin side here, I can also see that we've got a lot of game previews and predictions going up for this week in college football and the NFL as well. Lots for you to keep an eye on with that. And of course, as the week goes along, we'll be covering different sportsbook promotions, industry news, all sorts of updates over there at ATS.io. And of course, as you know, we've got a great betting app, the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store and also in the Apple Store. Download that, use it as a bet tracker, use it to read the articles from the website on the go, use it for different stats and trends. ATS standings, an odd screen that's got odds from multiple U.S. sports books. A really great tool to have in the palm of your hand with that ATS app. So get it in the Google Play Store for Android, in the Apple Store for iOS, or you can find links to download it over at ATS.io. All right, with that, we'll sort of recap week 11 here, talk about some of the college football power ratings adjustments that I've made, go through some box score stuff. And also take a look here at some of the lines where I'm off of the market right now. And the market's starting to move a little bit here on a Monday morning, recording this about 9 a.m. Eastern time. So there will be some lines that probably will have even changed by the time you hear today's show. But I want to get this out early, get this done, uh, so that I can focus on getting the writing done. And of course, some of the other stuff going on here on a very busy week for us over at ATS.io. By the way, still doing some writing over at bangthebook.com as well. I'll have a golf preview up for the RSM Classic this afternoon. I do UFC previews over there as well. And if you don't have access to the U.S. sportsbooks, then maybe there's some things uh, for your interest over at bangthebook.com. But as I said here, we're going to be looking at college football primarily. And, you know, of course, a, a very interesting weekend in college football. 15 games canceled as a result of COVID-19 even had a Sunday game where UCLA and Cal wound up playing and not the result I expected. It closed right on my number of Cal minus three and a half, but UCLA, a big outright winner by 24 points in that game there uh, on Sunday morning. So I had to make some adjustments to that in my power ratings. But you know, like I've talked about a lot here so far this season, the power ratings adjustments have been a little bit more difficult because we're seeing a lot of that game day money, whether it's COVID related or just consumer confidence related of making those plays on game day. We're seeing a lot of one-sided money and there's really no chance for the sports books to balance that out. Really no chance for them to kind of limit their exposure uh, with that one way runaway game day action. 
So the closing lines, as I talked about last week with both Kyle Hunter and Brad Powers, the closing lines may not be the best barometer, but it's really what I have to go off of. So I'm still using that, still going through my three-step process. And for those that are maybe new listeners to the show here, my three-step process with adjusting my power ratings is that first I compare my line to the closing line, make some adjustments from that point. Then I'll take a look at the box score. Were there crazy turnover happenings, special teams, touchdowns, all those different types of things? Will those factor into the equation? And then lastly, I'll compare my numbers to the market. And, you know, or even as I'm going through putting my numbers together, I have enough awareness of the market that if I come up with a number and I look at it and I go, that eh, doesn't look right. I don't think that's where this line should be. Then I will make some adjustments at that point. So there were several games where I kind of did that a little bit here this week to try and fall closer in line with what I expected to be the market expectation. But before we get into some of those odds and maybe some things that we want to grab early in the week here, some of the adjustments that I made this week, and I made some very substantial adjustments to some of the newer conferences that are in action, namely the Big Ten, Michigan and Penn State, both getting dropped seven points in my power ratings here for this week. Now, I am light on the Michigan line this week. Uh, Michigan, eight and a half point favorite out there in the market. My line on that game, I believe, is three and a half or four here as I look it up while I'm talking. So my line is five on that game. So a little bit light on the Michigan line. Doesn't really matter. I'm not touching that team at all whatsoever. I'm actually a little bit light on the Penn State line as well. And in fact, for Penn State here, you know, I still have them in a favorite role in their game against Iowa this week. But that's one of those where, again, you know, I don't really want to touch Penn State. So it's a game that's not really on my radar anyway. But I have Penn State minus a half a point in that game. Iowa, two and a half point favorite in the market. Both of those teams getting substantial adjustments from me in my power ratings here for this week. But as I said, Michigan and Penn State both going down seven points. And there are a couple of factors in play here. The first is that, and I've talked about this a lot throughout the season too, we have a very reactionary betting market right now. And the fact that both Michigan and Penn State have looked as bad as they have with the final scores, you have to overcompensate with those two teams. And I feel like I did at least to this point with Michigan, maybe not so much with Penn State, but I've already dropped Michigan 13 points from where I had them with my initial power ratings before the start of Big Ten play. So maybe I was too high on the Wolverines at the outset, uh, but certainly have corrected that at this point in time. Penn State is a different one because Penn State won the box score last week against Nebraska. They had six trips into the red zone. They had one touchdown, three field goals, and turned it over on downs twice. Penn State won that box score against Nebraska, but just didn't do anything in the red zone, didn't capitalize on those opportunities enough. And when you look at the box scores for Penn State, they didn't play well against Ohio State, but they're only minus 0.17 yards per play. This is not an 0-4 team, but you still have to respect what the market perception is going to be of Penn State. So I did end up dropping them a touchdown. As I said, still get didn't get to this week's line against Iowa, at least as of yet, but I did have to make a pretty big adjustment there to Penn State. And another one that I adjusted down in a big way was Minnesota. I dropped Minnesota six points here this week. You know, the Big Ten has been a disappointment. And in fact, too, you know, even Ohio State, my lines have been high on Ohio State. So I don't know if the market 
is holding things against the Buckeyes for what's happening in the rest of the conference. Uh, but, you know, the Big Ten has just not looked good to this point here. And Minnesota definitely at the forefront of that. Uh, look, the box score against Iowa wasn't as bad as the final score would suggest. But Minnesota was remarkably inefficient offensively in that game. They ran a lot more plays than Iowa did. And you have to respect things like that. And that's why you have to do the box score study. It's not enough to sit there and say, oh, well, Iowa only outgained Minnesota, you know, by a little bit. It's the fact that Minnesota was just very inefficient on offense. Minnesota ran 77 plays to Iowa's 53. So that's why the yardage was close. Minnesota ran 24 more plays than Iowa, but Minnesota had 4.3 yards per play. So yeah, from a yardage standpoint, it doesn't look like the blowout that the final score would suggest, but on a per play basis, Minnesota was terrible in that game. So I wind up dropping them six points here in my power ratings. Staying with the big 10, Iowa moved up five and a half points for me. No, I don't think Iowa is a great team. I don't think they're as good as the market believes that they are. But they've only allowed 4.2 yards per play on the year. I don't think the offense is very good, but the defense seems to be pretty good. Now, this could also be a function of who Iowa's played to this point in time. But it was pretty clear that my lines were off on the Iowa Hawkeyes. So I made that big five-and-a-half-point adjustment. Still not there with the Iowa-Penn State line, as I mentioned already, but a pretty big adjustment for the Hawkeyes that I did want to mention here on today's show. Also, in terms of another conference that's relatively new, started uh, not that long ago, the MAC. I dropped Northern Illinois five and a half points in my power ratings. And this is another one where not only did I have to catch up to the market, but when you look at these teams that are really, really, really bad, their numbers seem to be inflated a little bit because sportsbooks are trying desperately to find any sort of buy point on these horrific teams. Akron, Bowling Green, UMass, NIU, Utah State, teams like that. The books are trying to find any possible buy point. And I know in my mind that these teams are not good. So even though my line's off on a Northern Illinois, it's very hard for me to play that team anyway. But I did drop them five and a half points here. Got the line pretty much in range here against Ball State this week. So that's a good thing. Shows that I probably have my NIU power rating in a good spot. But again, these power ratings are just a guide. You know, I think they're justifications early in the week for getting some line value. Outside of that, you still have to handicap the game. And even if your line is off on a team, you can have enough, you know, ability to say, I don't want to play that team anyway. And these really bad teams or these teams that have had really bad showings, it's pretty easy to do that, Northern Illinois being one of those teams here for me. Another one in the, in the uh, I know that's it for the, for the MAC, at least in terms of really big adjustments. I do have some two and a half, three-point adjustments, stuff like that. I'm only highlighting the biggest of my adjustments here for week 12. South Carolina is another one I moved five and a half points, much to my chagrin uh, as a Gamecocks fan, but Things are bad in Columbia right now. And in fact, quite frankly, five and a half was my adjustment before Will Muschamp got fired. I wound up posting the article. Then as I was doing the formatting for the article, I saw that Will Muschamp had been fired. So things in, in Columbia are not good. And you know they brought in Mike Bobo to be the offensive coordinator. And South Carolina ran the football really effectively against Ole Miss over the weekend. But Colin Hill didn't play well again. 
And Mike Bobo, who was the head coach at Colorado State, got Colin Hill to transfer to South Carolina. It seems like he's playing some favoritism with Colin Hill. Ops to go with him over Ryan Helinski last weekend. I'm not saying South Carolina wins if Helinski plays. They gave up over 700 yards of offense. But, you know, obviously not a particularly good look for the Gamecocks here so far this season. That line was a runaway train, too. My line was six and a half on that game. It didn't stop until it got to 13, 13 and a half. So a five and a half point adjustment for the Gamecocks here. And as I said, that's pre-Muschamp. And I'm still not even sure if that's enough of a downgrade here. Because I think Muschamp just isn't a good head coach. I think the players liked him. I think he's a good defensive coordinator, which is a role that he'll fall back into now. I just don't think he was a good head coach. And this is one where I don't know if you get that bounce out of the Gamecocks here, taking on Missouri uh, this weekend at home. Miami, Florida, I dropped down four points. And this is one that I think has just kind of been growing a little bit. As I mentioned, I did have Miami favored against Virginia Tech last weekend. They did win the game. It wasn't necessarily the prettiest of outcomes, uh, but Miami did win that game outright. But I still dropped them four points in my power ratings. Frankly, I kind of forgot about them. You know, it was, it was sort of one of those things where I they just slipped my mind. You know, there are so many other teams that have gotten the spotlight or have grabbed headlines or something like that. And I hadn't really adjusted Miami despite some mediocre performances over the last few weeks. So did wind up making an adjustment to the Hurricanes, dropping them down four points in my power ratings. Stanford and USC, both four-point drops coming out of the Pac-12. Very ugly effort from Stanford against Colorado. And maybe Colorado is better than we all expected. Back-to-back outright upset wins now for the Buffaloes. But Stanford got Davis Mills back and still didn't play well in that game. So I dropped Stanford four points, opted to move them more than moving Colorado. Uh, We'll see what it looks like here, see if I made the right decision there. But I did make a lot of my bigger adjustments on the downgrade side this week. Teams like Stanford and USC moving down four points being part of that. USC, you know, two late game wins for them over Arizona State and Arizona. Not great looks for them overall. Keaton Slovis is very, very good, but not a whole lot of things to like otherwise about the USC Trojans here so far. Lastly, another upgrade here of more than three points is Clemson. They'll get Trevor Lawrence back this week. I would have upgraded them more, quite frankly, but their defense looked pretty bad against Notre Dame. So I'm high on their number against Florida State this week anyway. But Clemson back up there with Ohio State and Alabama. And one last note here, it was only a one-point move, but Alabama is now number one in the country for me over Ohio State. Again, the market seems to dislike something about the Buckeyes right now. I I was very high on their line against Maryland last week for the game that got canceled. I'm a little bit high on their line against Indiana this week. Uh, For whatever reason, the market doesn't seem to love the Buckeyes right now. Uh, So I figured... Even if it's in name only, I thought I would move Alabama up to the top spot here. So as far as games where I'm off of market a little bit, Akron and Kent State is one of them. I have Kent State minus 19 and a half. That's minus 24 in the betting market. For those that don't know, and I am an Akron alum, this is a big rivalry game. The battle for the wagon wheel here. These two schools are about 12 minutes apart driving distance, about nine or 10 miles apart as the crow flies. Big rivalry here. This is the biggest line for Kent State in the rivalry's history, being a 24-point favorite. 
Not to say that I'm going to bet on Akron, but as I combine some of the box score notes here a little bit, Akron last week against Ohio, they outgained the Bobcats 435 to 307. Akron was minus three in turnover margin and had a turnover on downs. They had 21st downs to Ohio's 15. So the Zips did look better last week, did cover that number against the Bobcats. Maybe Ohio's just not very good, uh, but I thought that was an interesting box score there. So I'm a little light on that game, but I don't know if I'm necessarily going to go out there and get excited to bet Akron in that rivalry game against Kent State. As far as the rest of the MAC games go during the week, we did have Ohio and Miami of Ohio canceled. That one was Miami of Ohio, a pick I believe that's exactly where my line was on that game as well. So there was no edge to be had there. Uh, interesting to see Eastern Michigan moving against my number a little bit here. My line's Toledo minus eight. Eastern now down to six out there some places in the betting market. little surprised to see that move, although Toledo, maybe not impressing too many people here at this point in time. Western Michigan, Central Michigan. My line is Central minus half a point. Market two and a half. May get to three. It looks like it could get to three there in that one. That's a little bit surprising to me, uh, but you know the Michigan Mac Trophy on the line uh, in those directional Michigan games. Interesting game. Doesn't look like I'll have any kind of play in that one. Tulane and Tulsa. I do have an overlay for Thursday night here. Uh, Tulsa minus eight and a half for me, minus four and a half in the marketplace. I do like Tulsa in this spot. I think Tulsa's defensive line, very, very good. Uh, Tulane, you know, they played a lot more games than Tulsa has. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting thing. Maybe they've worked out more of the kinks. But on the flip side, they're playing on a short week. Both of these teams playing on a short week here. Uh, but Tulane with the travel, not bad travel necessarily. But, you know, with COVID and protocols and all these types of things, you know, practices are a little bit different here. Usually teams kind of take it easy on Sunday, stuff like that. I like Tulsa in that spot. I think that line will go up. The fours that were out there at open have already gone to four and a half. I think the market's a little bit higher on Tulane than I am, but that is one that's on my radar here and one I will probably play today. Uh, Tulsa minus four and a half with my line sitting at eight and a half. Uh, UMass and FAU, a little bit of an overlay here. Uh, My line's 27 and a half, the market 31 and a half. Interesting too, because FAU is not a team that puts up a lot of points. This is a line of 31 with a total of like 47 or so, I believe, uh, 49, something like that in the global markets. It's a big point spread for a very low total, not a game necessarily on my radar, uh, but I did drop UMass a little bit in my power ratings here and still couldn't quite get to this number against FAU. As we go through by rotation number here on Saturday, as I mentioned, I've got Penn State a slight favorite, not a game that I'm too excited to play, not a game that's necessarily on my radar there in that one. There are some books that are kind of slow to open these games here uh, for Saturday, so that is something that you want to keep in mind. One big overlay that I do have here, East Carolina against Temple. I have East Carolina a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. The market number right now, Temple minus two. This was two-and-a-half. It is moving down towards my number. I don't know to what degree East Carolina will be favored on the road, if at all. But Temple is a team that I have no interest in playing right now. I don't like Rod Carey. They've had the quarterback injuries. Just not much to like about the Temple Owls here. Uh, I think East Carolina money line, maybe a decent look here, plus the two if you like that. 
that is one that is moving down towards my number, though. Uh, so that is one that maybe I need to get involved in here relatively quickly. Cincinnati's taking money against Central Florida. My line is Cincinnati minus three. Market up to Cincinnati minus four and a half here. I'm not going to have a play on this game. It's probably the game of the week uh, in a lot of respects here. But you know, I think this one's interesting. You know, Cincinnati. This is a must-win game if Cincinnati wants that fourth college football playoff spot. If we even end up having a college football playoff, but you know, UCF has put up a lot of yardage. They've left some points on the field though, so that's kind of an interesting thing. Also here too for Cincinnati, this is only their second road game of the year. They were supposed to play a road game at Tulsa. That one got canceled, moved to the end of the season. Cincinnati will play three straight road games to end the year here, but their only road game was in Dallas a little under a month ago. So they're going out on the road here. That's something they haven't done a whole lot. I don't know if that has a big impact necessarily, but it is something that's on my radar here for this week. Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina. My number is three. It looks like the places in the market are at four that have opened so far. Zach Thomas for App State was carted off. Seems to be okay. If he doesn't play, this line's probably six and a half, seven for me. If he plays, I've got it here at three. Big game for both teams. Interesting game. Maybe a uh, audition for the South Carolina job for Jamie Chadwell at Coastal. But I don't think I'll have a play on this one, but it is a very interesting game, to say the least. Clemson, Florida State, I'm not off market too much. I have it 36, the market's 34, uh, but the biggest home underdog role in Florida State history. So an interesting spot there as they're getting 34 and a half against Clemson. I do have South Florida favored over Navy. I'm seeing some minus fours on Navy in the marketplace. I have it South Florida minus one and a half, but not a game I'm really excited to play one way or the other there. Uh, Michigan and Rutgers, this one is starting to move down. I'm seeing seven and a halfs out there in the marketplace. Now there were some eight and a halfs yesterday. Uh, my line on that one is Michigan minus five. So I'm not going to have a play on that game, but it is kind of interesting uh, to see Michigan open that big of a favorite, you know, after Rutgers took money last week against Illinois, then lost the game outright. So again, I think that speaks to the reactionary nature of the markets here, where if Rutgers plays to expectation against Illinois, this line probably is four, four and a half. They lose to Illinois and the line's eight, eight and a half. Now we're seeing it come down a little bit. So that suggests that there probably was a little bit of an overreaction in the marketplace to Rutgers losing to Illinois. USC and Utah. I have Utah minus two and a half. The market that is open on this game, USC minus three. I don't even know if this game is going to get played. Utah's had major COVID concerns. Uh, obviously, COVID spiking all over the place now. So I don't know if that game will be played or not, but that's the number that I have on that one. Really not a whole lot of significant overlays for me here this week. Uh, that is something that is kind of nice after having a lot of games that were kind of out of whack over the last few weeks here. One where I do have an overlay, UTSA and Southern Miss. My line is UTSA minus two here. The market minus eight. Not playing Southern Miss in this spot, but this is a pretty big favorite role for UTSA, a role that they're not typically in. Uh, so I think that's a pretty interesting line there for that game. Not saying I want to bet on Southern Miss because they really haven't looked the part pretty much all year long, uh, but still interesting to see UTSA lined as that big of a favorite against Southern Miss. 
Wisconsin and Northwestern, I have a little bit of an overlay on here. I have Wisconsin minus three and a half. Market is Wisconsin minus seven. Now, when you look at Northwestern's box scores, I understand some of the skepticism. They've had some issues offensively here this year. They really have had some games that maybe they shouldn't have won or shouldn't have won to the degree that they did. Wisconsin, though, and maybe I didn't properly adjust to Wisconsin. Maybe I over-adjusted Michigan, under-adjusted Wisconsin off of last week. You know, Wisconsin, Graham Mertz wasn't great in that game against Michigan. They ran the football effectively. I think Mertz was only 12 of 22. But to me, I think Wisconsin is getting very overvalued here. I think Wisconsin and Iowa. Because when you look at the Big Ten here so far, who's performed up to expectation? You know, Ohio State was around the closing number against Penn State, failed to cover against Rutgers, didn't play last week against Maryland, and that was a line that, you know, was off for my power rating. Michigan State, they're a mess, even though they beat Michigan. Michigan's a dumpster fire. Penn State's 0-4. Indiana has done what they're supposed to do, but also their box scores haven't really looked the part. So I think people are really searching, really doing some mental gymnastics here to force Wisconsin and Iowa because they've done what they're supposed to do. They've played up to or exceeded expectations. The thing of it is, I don't know if either one of them are great teams. I certainly don't think Iowa's a great team. Wisconsin could be, but I think this line is high here this week against Northwestern. I like Pat Fitzgerald getting a touchdown at home uh, with a pretty good defense and a quarterback that mostly takes care of the football. So, I'm going to be on Northwestern here. I'm going to see if I can if I can get a seven and a half on that game. It's mostly seven minus 15 right now, but I'm going to see if I can get a seven and a half. Otherwise, I'll take seven flat or something like that. But I do like Northwestern in that spot here this week against Wisconsin. Florida and Vanderbilt. This is the biggest favorite role on the road for Florida since 2001. They're a 31 point favorite against Vanderbilt here. My line's 29, so I'm not off market, but I just want to throw out that little nugget for you here on today's show. Not a big surprise to see this one, and in fact, I'm pissed off at myself for not getting in on this game earlier. Oklahoma State was 9.5 against Oklahoma. My line's 4.5 on this game, and we're now down to 7 market-wide. So I was asleep at the wheel, ironically enough, even though I didn't really sleep last night. Didn't take Oklahoma State plus nine and a half. Knew that number was going to come down. And in fact, it has. So again, that's one where, you know, you got to trust your numbers. If you're doing the work, you got to trust your numbers. For whatever reason, I got sidetracked or something like that. Didn't play Oklahoma State at nine and a half. Now we're down to seven. Not surprised to see it crashing towards my number here early on in the week. Uh, Kansas State and Iowa State. I would expect Kansas State money to come in in that game. My line is 10 and a half. The market number is 11, but Kansas State is excellent as an underdog. And I've talked about this before. I don't want to lay big numbers with Iowa State and Matt Campbell, who's also excellent in an underdog role. So I would expect that number to come down there with Kansas State and Iowa State. As far as other overlays, I don't really have any. My power rating is much better here this week. Maybe I've actually made the correct adjustments here uh, overall. Hopefully, we'll see a lot of these games get played. Uh, But, you know, as far as games where I'm off market still right now, East Carolina is still one I'm looking at. Utah, one that I'm looking at here. And again, if I had to play it, Oklahoma State, if it gets back to seven and a half, I still like it at seven 
it's a little bit more difficult of a play to make. Uh, USF, another one that I kind of like against Navy, but, you know, again, usually when I find lines that are off a lot on really bad teams, I just not either, you know, understanding just how bad that team is, or there are things happening on the other side of the counter that I can't see. Because again, think about it, right? Southern Miss, okay? Southern Miss probably shouldn't be getting eight points in this game. But when you look at Southern Miss's recent results, I mean, are they getting 10% of the bets in their games? 5% of the bets in their games? If that's the case, and I don't really know because I don't trust the consensus percentages that are listed at the odds screens, then why wouldn't you jack up Southern Miss's line to try and get any kind of money you possibly can? So I'm not privy to that perspective on the other side of the counter. And I think sometimes that does make it a little bit difficult, especially when you're talking about the really, really bad bottom of the barrel types of teams. All right. So a few box score notes here to finish up this Monday show, previewing your college football week ahead. As I mentioned, one that's a big one to me that really stands out again, Akron outgaining Ohio by 128 yards, but Akron minus three in turnover margin had a turnover on down. So still found a way to hurt themselves as they always do. But I think this maybe speaks more to the fact that Ohio might not be a very good team. They lost that game to Central Michigan in the first one, nowhere near covering against Akron in the second one. Their game canceled, of course, this week. Maybe we would have found out that Ohio is just possibly not a very good team here for this season. Kent State ran 93 offensive plays against Bowling Green. It did whatever they wanted in that game. So I thought that was a pretty interesting outcome there. You know, I talked about Toledo and how money's coming in against Toledo this week. You know, Toledo in their game against Western Michigan, which uh, strange game, a uh, very strange game. I was on Toledo in that one. Uh, not really the outcome that I was hoping for had sprinkled the money line as well, but Toledo only had 5.9 yards per play in that game against Western whereas Western had 7.7. Now, of course, Western Michigan was trailing throughout most of the second half, but still, uh, Toledo did not win that box score. And maybe that's why money coming in against Toledo here early on in the week against Eastern Michigan. The Central Michigan-Northern Illinois game was ugly. Central Michigan won 40 to 10. I wound up taking a late play on NIU plus seven and a half. Might as well just light money on fire there. Uh, in that one. But Central Michigan was only one for 11 on third down in that game. NIU was two for 16. So not a lot of third down success for either one of those teams. I think third down success, a pretty good barometer of a team's offense, whether it's third and long, third, medium, third and short. If you're converting those and staying on the field, that's very important. Central Michigan did not do that last week. So I may be on Western Michigan here this week. We'll see what happens with that number. And if it gets to three, I probably will take a piece of the Broncos in that one. Very misleading game between Colorado State and Boise State. And I did drop Boise State a little bit uh, in my power ratings here. But Boise State had 52 points, but they only had 291 yards. They had two blocked punt touchdowns and ran back a blocked field goal for a touchdown. They only had 4.34 yards per play in that game. Colorado State with 4.5. So Boise did not look the part in that game offensively, had three special teams touchdowns. So keep that in mind with the Broncos here as we go forward with some of their games. 9.9 yards per play for Cincinnati last week against East Carolina. 
did wind up taking East Carolina for some pizza money late. Uh, that backfired in, you know, crashing down to earth in flames fashion. Uh, but 9.9 yards per play for Cincinnati. We know their defense is good. I don't know how legit their offensive performances are, but you can move the football on Central Florida. So we'll see if that's an up and down kind of game. How about Florida Atlantic here? 6.8 yards per play for the Owls. Again, laying that big number against UMass this week. They only passed for 80 yards in that game against FIU. So 6.8 yards per play, and they were 10 for 16 passing for 80 yards. So they ran the football to a great degree in that one. You know, Arkansas and Florida, Florida covered, Florida scored 63 points in that game. But defensively, they were not good again. Arkansas had nine yards per play in that one. Arkansas only had the ball for 21 minutes and 12 seconds. They ran 51 plays. Florida ran 83 plays in that game, had 36 first downs. So Arkansas's defense was terrible as well. But nine yards per play for Arkansas, pretty impressive showing, although they were trailing uh, for a majority of that game. Four and a half yards per play for Miami, Florida. As I said, I did move Miami down. Bad offensive game both ways in that one. Miami ran 86 plays in that game, but only 4.5 yards per play. Uh, Not particularly great for the Hurricanes offense in that win over Virginia Tech. What about Purdue here? Purdue, 51 pass attempts, only 263 passing yards against Northwestern. Northwestern, though, only 3.84 yards per play. So that's what I said about Northwestern. They've gotten the job done. They've won their games. But statistically, it has not been pretty for them. They had 80 rushing yards on 40 carries. No sacks in that number either. 3.84 yards per play for Northwestern. A very, very disappointing performance from them offensively against Purdue. Sticking in the Big Ten here, like I said, man, Penn State's won box scores this year. They haven't gotten wins, but they've won box scores. 501 to 298, the yards in their game this past weekend. They had the ball for 36-24 against Nebraska. Minus one in turnover margin, but one touchdown in six red zone trips. Three field goals, two turnovers on downs. Penn State with 500 yards, and they lost that game. And that's why I have such a problem power rating Penn State. And I played Penn State last week. And by the box score, they should have covered that game, minus three. They should have won that game. But, you know, red zone issues for them. And something else to talk about here to sort of break up all these notes in the box score section is that apathy may start setting in for some of these teams. You know, we saw a lot of teams have COVID issues coming out of Halloween parties, stuff like that. You know, these kids, how long can you keep college kids down from partying and going out and doing things, you know? And look, again, the the numbers show it when it comes to COVID that, you know, that age range recovers and they're pretty much fine. A lot of them asymptomatic, stuff like that. So these players are going to look at this stuff and go, well, you know what? We're trying to adhere to these protocols so we can play. But if we get it, we're going to be fine. So I'm going to live the college experience because our football season is not going where it's supposed to be going. So I worry about that a little bit with a team like Penn State where they're not supposed to be 0-4 right now. They're supposed to be 3-1 with a competitive loss to Ohio State, and they're not. So I worry about teams like that. As we go forward here, teams that, you know, I wonder how well coached they are and stuff like that. Will apathy set in? Will they start breaking protocols? All these different types of things. I think those things are very much a possibility for some of these teams here. 
And a team like Penn State absolutely makes a lot of sense in that regard. So that's something that you may want to factor into the equation here uh, with some of these college football teams that, again, you know, they have standards, they have expectations, they have this idea of where they're supposed to be in their minds. And, you know, when it doesn't work out, then what? You know, then what do these teams wind up doing as they go forward here? And I think with a team like Penn State, again, they're supposed to be somewhere different. So watch out for that with some of these teams here that, uh, you know, could wind up falling by the wayside a little bit as we go forward. And by the way, of course, as I'm talking here, money hammering Tulsa in the betting market up to five and a half. So another one that I missed just, you know, by either not trusting my numbers or getting caught up in doing something else. So uh, a very frustrating Monday morning here, to say the least. Fresno State outgained Utah State 541 to 343. And this really shouldn't have even been as close as it was. Utah State had a kick return touchdown. They had an 86-yard touchdown run. Fresno State, 29 completions for 422 yards. So Utah State fires Gary Anderson, and nothing really changes for the Aggies there in that one. 437 yards for Georgia Southern, 299 for Texas State, and that game had 78 points. How does that happen? Well, Georgia State had a kick return touchdown. There was a seven-yard touchdown drive. Six of the seven second-half drives went for points. So, you know, the teams just took advantage of the short fields that they got in that Georgia Southern Texas State game. So a misleading over a little bit, but uh, the teams did take advantage of their offensive opportunities. Louisville and Virginia. Louisville outgained Virginia 478 to 368, but lost 31 to 17. Virginia had a pick six. Virginia also fumbled at the one yard line going in. Louisville ran the ball very effectively in that game. 39 carries for 317 yards. Scott Satterfield was very upset with his team after that game. Very upset that they lost despite outgaining Virginia by 110 yards. I don't think that's a team that quits. And maybe this week they let out some frustration against a very bad, very overmatched Syracuse team on Friday night with that line 18 and a half. Stanford, only 21 rushing attempts. This was not the Stanford football that we're accustomed to seeing. They threw the ball 56 times, only 5.15 yards per play. So not a good look for the Stanford offense. San Diego State, a win in cover, even though their quarterback, Carson Baker, four for 13 for 30 yards with two interceptions. So San Diego State still covered, despite that ugly line from their quarterback, four for 13 for 30 yards with two interceptions uh, for Baker in that one for San Diego State. San Diego State, a very interesting game this week against Nevada. My line's pick them. That one's, I think, San Diego State minus one, minus one and a half in the market. Lastly here, UCF and Temple. And maybe people will hold this game against UCF, but I don't know why. UCF, 6.7 yards per play to 3.9 for Temple. Temple had the ball for over 37 minutes in this game, ran 75 plays, very inefficient though on offense. UCF had the ball for 23 minutes and ran 63 plays. And again, had 6.7 yards per play. So UCF will be a very big test for that Cincinnati defense here this week. Should be a great game to say the least. So 
That gives you a recap of what we saw in week 11, a little bit of a preview here of week 12. Again, the markets are absolutely lighting up here on a Monday morning with a lot of line movement out there. And in fact, Cincinnati's line on the verge of going up to five, maybe five and a half here by the time I get this edited and you hear it. So again, uh, you know, I missed the boat on a couple of plays here that I liked early on in the week. That's very disappointing for me, but uh, you know, we'll see how everything plays out here for this week 12. And we'll talk more college football on Wednesday with Kyle Hunter, on Thursday with Brad Powers, and we'll talk NFL on Tuesday with Brian Blessing, and we'll talk about my Circa Million picks on Friday, coming off of a one-in-four week. So a uh, very disappointing week for me in the Circa Sports Million. The Browns game definitely being one uh, of those disappointing outcomes, but should be a good week here on ATS Radio, and it's always a good week over at ATS.io. Make sure you download that ATS app where you can get all of our website content, and then some right in the palm of your hand. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.